all living in a world gone geek. It's time to geek hard or go home. The podcast is real. Here's your host, Grounded Geek. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. It is now time for the podcast is real. I am Jeff, also known as Grounded Geek, and we are so excited to have another show for you here Sunday night, um, 7 p.m. We're here every week, so we hope that you've added it to your schedule um, and then we drop as a podcast the next day. So if you are watching us now, we appreciate it. Um, and maybe you're one of our podcast audience. A lot of people do that. Um, welcome, podcast audience. We try to describe some things if we uh, if we show them on screen because we always show stuff on screen. We don't want to leave you out, podcast audience. So we'll try to do our best to describe it. Um, but uh, if you ever want to see specifically exactly what we're doing, we're on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook every week right here doing this. But I don't do it alone. Obviously, I have some cohorts. Let's introduce one of them now. Utah, welcome to the show. Hey, greetings, programs. And what are we playing with today? Ah, well, yes. That looks like Netflix logo on that uh, paper of some sort. Correct. This tissue paper does have the Netflix. This is me me describing. That's right. They're they're picturing it in their mind right now because I was so He holds tissue paper with the Netflix logo on it. You do it so much better. (laughs) My friends from Netflix decided to send these to me after I paid them, of course. (laughs) Well, that's (laughs) so kind of them, right? Yeah. Um, oh, I can tell from the top. But you can saying. see uh, we have some Squid Game Funko Pops. That's very cool. Here so is the, the, the masked worker, the circle guy. And yeah. then how many How many did you get? I, I got three. I got I had to I, I didn't I didn't want to buy all of them because they're actually quite a few and I don't have a lot of space in my attic. Um, sure. And so the second one is player four, five, six. Jihoon. Right. The main character from Squid Game. And then uh, arguably my favorite character from the Squid Game series, Player 67, Cybok. Yes, agreed. She made me cry so yeah. much. Oh my gosh, what a great character. <laughs> but the show yes. was so great. Amazing And, and we've got an official announcement of season two. They actually put a, yes, uh, it's actually an official. image up there. So yes. I can't wait to find out what they're going to do. Oh, who knows what they're going to do, the, but the I'm game excited. It's not over. No, not at all. So, so thank you to my friends at Netflix for sending me these <laughs> that I paid for. Yeah. And I'm sure they're, they're thanking you for, uh, I'm sure they're thanking me for paying for them. <laughs> sure. Right. Um, yeah. I've seen some of those. I've been kind of tempted to get those myself, but you know me, I've said I, uh, for anybody who knows me very uh, closely, I'm, I'm not a pop Funko collector. Like I don't, like I've decided I can't, I don't want to be because if I do, it'll, it'll get out of hand. It's going to be like so, Pokemon. You're going to want, you're yep. going to want them all. And so I decided to, to, it's, it's like there are specific characters or movies that I'll try to get. And then that's it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's what I'm trying draw to do the too. Line. Love and so the freckles. The freckles obviously I've got, oh, that's cool. Obviously I've got Bill and Ted back here sure uh the ghostbusters ghostbusters um i don't remember who else hellboy i've got the tick Um, nice i forgot about the tick yeah so i'll probably get marty and doc brown right Um, you're gonna have to get die hard when that comes out what do I've got? I, I have. Did I not mention Die Hard first? What, how you, did that you happen? You did not mention Die Hard I first. I sure didn't. Die Hard. <laughs> I have all four of the Die Hard ones. I was going to um, say, as soon as that came out, I'm like. Yeah. I, yeah, same. 
Um, I didn't get them all at once. I got them piecemeal and as I could find them discounted at conventions and various things. But sure, of course. I do have all four now. Al Powell was actually the hardest one to get. Interesting. Uh, yeah, he's carrying a bunch of Twinkies. He's got Twinkies, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, um, but yeah, Die Hard, obviously my favorite movie. Which actually brings me to some pop culture news of the week that is actually kind of oh, sad. Kind of sad, um, yes. But I feel like we should talk about it, especially since I talk about Bruce Willis almost every show. Hey, can you um, put yourself back on the screen? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's just you on the screen. Because <laughs> it's just Sorry. me right now, and I feel like you need to be... There you are. Hi. See, now po- the podcast The podcast family, would they, have never known if I They said. had no idea <laughs> that it was just you on the screen all that time. So thanks for calling me out to the podcast. You could have put that in the private chat and I would have just switched it. Oh, I didn't even think about um, that. Or I could have done like hand signals or something. Right. right? Um, anyway, again, technical, that isn't even a technical difficulty. That's no, no, a man. just brain difficulty. Um, no, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Bruce Willis. Love Bruce Willis. Ever since Moonlighting, I have followed this guy's career, watched every movie. Probably one of the few people who thinks Hudson Hawk is one is uh, a fantastic movie. One of the two. Yeah, a few. I said the few. One of the okay, few. There's very right. few people in that in that crowd, but they I enjoyed it. I thought it was under, a lark. They just don't understand it. They just yeah, don't understand it's, it. It's just a lark. It's not supposed to be serious. It's a good, silly time. Oh, and, it's hilarious. Uh, I love. I, I just. I, I. Bruce Willis could you know sit and crack wise about names in the phone book for two hours, then and I watch would just. It. Oh, sure, I would. <laughs> I would be there, but um, no. The news this week that he is uh, retiring from acting uh, because he has been diagnosed with aphasia, which affects the the ability to speak and even understand uh, spoken uh, language as well. So uh, really, really sad, obviously. And the family uh, said that it's getting worse. And so this is something uh, that he, you know, he doesn't want to do in the, in the public eye. And I totally respect Uh that, I guess. Can't blame Um, him. But it is sad because I, you know, I, again, he, you know, the, the Razzies actually kind of made fun of him because he made eight movies that came out last year. Oh, that's so right. They gave, him, they gave him his own category. Right. And it was the worst Bruce Willis performance in a movie. <laughs> and not knowing, obviously, that he has that been, he's been dealing a, with this for a while. Right. Because some directors have said that they've noticed that he's, you know, he's oh. having some trouble. Uh, I just read that the other day. So okay. I was, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And I don't want to speculate because we just don't know. And it's up, it's the family's business. It's private. And I'm not going to speculate, but um, I do know like there's, there's several different forms of aphasia. And if right. like if you can, after a stroke, it's fairly common it's possible. Right. And typically uh, that type is treatable. Like they eventually you, you know, with well, some you speech can sort therapy, of like retrain. Yeah. You can kind of retrain. Um, so, um, but the way they're talking about it and the way they're describing it and it's, how they've, it, they've yeah. noticed it for a while, um, it sounds, that would have been a, a little more obvious if it was a stroke. So, yeah. um, yeah, it's kind of, kind of, um, kind of shocking and, uh, yeah, I'm sad about it. And I just wanted to, to say that and, uh, you know, lift one up, uh, for Bruce tonight. Here's my, got my A&W sugar-free <laughs> root beer. Um, wish him the best. I, again, uh, it's gonna It's heartbreaking that we won't see any more movies, but what a legacy of fun adventure and sarcasm we have from that man. I, I'm just glad to to have watched him do this for so long. Right. Don't be sad that it's ending. Be happy that yeah. it actually that it happened. Exactly. And exactly. Uh, yeah, he does have a legacy. I mean, you know, Die Hard pretty much changed the you know. The, I guess it kind of created a genre, right? But it sure changed did. action movies after 100%. Die Hard. 
you know, the, the, the whole structure of, of action movies changed. And uh, well, so, how many, how many times after Die Hard came out, did someone describe a number of the movie as Die Hard, die on, hard a, on a on boat. A plane? On a, right. Die Hard on a boat. Yeah. yeah. Um, because they were trying to capture that magic that yep. he had. And yep, yep. Uh, it, it's just, it's just so good. And it wasn't just him in that movie, obviously. obviously. Sure. I mean, you've got one of the greatest actors of our Jeez, of the generation. Yeah. Uh, as the villain. And at that time he was virtually unknown in, in Hollywood. Uh, he was what a breakout theater role. actor. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I mean, immediately oh. the greatest, one of the greatest villains yeah. on screen in my totally. opinion. Um, anyway. I digress, but I did want to, I just want to say it. No, we should have um, pointed out now. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's going to be uh, sad. I am going to do a Bruce marathon over the next few weeks. Just kind of watch nice. a movie a day just to kind of like, uh, remember, yeah, I'll probably start with Hudson Hawk. <laughs> well, don't skip the GI Joes. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. <laughs> Was he in more than one? Oh, he might've been only in the one. Maybe. No, well, I think he was more in than two. one. Then I missed one, and that's not good. So I, I feel like it. he was in two. weren't there three of them? He was in this. Maybe not. Yeah, I didn't watch them all, so I can't be. I knew I watched one with him in it. So if there's two, then I missed out. That's it's not unusual that I would have missed out on a third. Yeah, you know. Even I mean, I feel like a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people. With Bruce Willis, out. I don't necessarily <laughs> is an, an immediate like uh, I'm going to watch it. Like I didn't see all eight of the movies put out last year. Um, um, oh, but in in regards to that, uh, the Razzies. I don't know if you heard they actually rescinded that award. Did they? They, they felt okay. yeah, well, they was, felt kind of bad about it. Sure. I think they should have just made it. The, uh, the worst Bruce Willis movie of 2021, because right. that could have been, I mean, there's any number of reasons that a movie is bad and let's face it. Some of them weren't great. I mean, I think even Bruce would own up to that. Right. Well, uh, some a, of them weren't the well, best, but well, you know, he put in the work he and, put in and the work. he was Bruce. Right. And so uh, that's who he was in every one of the movies. So it wasn't his fault if, if the writing was bad or whatever. So, right. What was the one um, he was in with uh, Luke Wilson? Yeah. Gasoline Alley. We gave Gasoline it away. Alley. We gave it yeah. away like two, two, uh, two weeks two, ago, three weeks ago. Yeah. 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 And uh, I watched that one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was, it was different. Um, and he's not in it a ton. Um, but, uh, and I think that was the case with most of these, right. That he, he signed up to do all these in a short amount of time, the least amount of time on set for a, for a singular amount of money. And then, uh, obviously I think he was planning for retirement. Kind of in preparation. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, kind of interesting. Yeah. It makes sense. All right. Well, speaking of giving away movies, we gave away hey. Gasoline Alley. We've given away uh, digital copies of Scream. Um, we're back with more uh, copies of Scream, only now it's actual Blu-ray copies of Scream. <gasps> I went like this. I made, like, uh, a made a square. He made a rectangle of, square out of his. With my fingers. Yeah. Because I don't have one to hold up and demonstrate. But everyone knows <laughs> what a Blu-ray looks like, right? And then just imagine the Scream poster on the Blu-ray. That's Scream. what I'm. That's what I'm holding up. The the new scream, the new one. The new, um, the latest scream. Yes, which is named the same as the first one, so as to not so, confuse anyone. Scream 2022. Scream yeah. 22? No, because then that would Im imply that there were 21, <laughs> 21 <sweekles>. previous. <laughs> there almost were. No. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're giving away the all new scream movie on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray. It's coming out. We're giving away the Blu-ray copy of that, starring Nev Campbell, David Art. Nev Campbell. I already blew it. I'm gonna start over. <laughs> Paramount wants me to do this right, so I'm gonna do it right. 
own the all new screen movie on 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray starring Nev Campbell, David Arquette and Courtney Cox. Scream is certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Own it today and get killer bonus content, including interviews with the cast, deleted scenes and much more directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette. I should have read this before. Sorry. If I butchered their names, that's so terrible. They will never be on our show. Uh, rated R from Paramount Pictures. I, I got to tell you, this was a good movie. It was actually, I mean, I still have to see you, it. If you like the screen movies at all, you will like this one. It good. is, it's, it's just as meta. I thought it was, um, at, at least as good as the second one. You know what I mean? It, but it now the now the the jokes are that the <laughs> movies have been out forever and that the killer is coming back in a in a um a revival or a re uh, they call it a requel a requel um, nice yeah. And so it's like that's, that's why it's all happened again. It is. Um, and that's well, if you've watched the movie, I mean, the first one is like, it's a straight up horror movie. And right. then the second one was about the making of a movie about, about the what happened in the first movie. Yeah. And then it just keeps like snowballing in meta, meta humor from there. Um, which, which is what I think is genius about that whole series, even though, they, you know, they, they get, they got a little, a little wacky towards, you know, the last couple, but this one I thought was a great, way to come back into it uh it was great to see the original cast up say, there yeah except for the ones that are dead well, um the ones you know. that are still alive from the original <laughs> cast were it um dead in the movie by the way i don't mean to say oh, that yeah, all, please, some yes. of these characters have you need to away. specify yeah yes um but anyway we're going to give away a copy of that and here's what i need you to do so um i'm i'm tying this into the fact we have a new website uh, hey. I talked about that on our, our new show, which we aired on Wednesday, uh, the Shawarma Shack. You should check that out on podcast right now. Mm. Um, Good Shawarma. And yeah, the, um, oh yeah, the website. <laughs> <laughs> we we got a new website. It's great. So we're not using SpeakPipe anymore. There's actually a little chat button right on our website that you can leave us a message on. So you can go there, just pretend like we're a radio show. This is you calling in. You right. go there, click that little chat icon and record yourself saying the answer to this week's movie quote of the week. Okay. Um, normally I would play a movie quote. We're not going to do that this time. Make you do mm. a little work for this one. So go to our website, worldgonegeek.com, click the little chat icon and tell me the three Randy Meeks, three rules for surviving a horror movie from the first movie, the three, the three rules there. I think, there were more rules down the road. I think they added a the couple, three, but the, the original the three first from the three. original that yeah. Randy Meeks tells everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, leave those on that and make sure that I, you know, you say your name. Uh, obviously, if you can pronounce it for me, that would be great because then I would be not butcher it on the air like I might have done. To Jeff, how else are they going to leave movie? their? How else are they going to leave their name on an audio? <laughs> I know. I mean, well, they they type it in. When you leave a oh, when you leave a message, you. you have okay. to type it in. So I want them to also say it on the recording you. if okay, they okay, would. Okay. That would be nice. All right. Um, and then yeah, you'll be in the drawing. And next week we'll give away those Blu-rays. Nice. So, so a few people, probably three. That would be cool. That'd be great. So, three people, three rules. That's right. There you go. But you still have to you have to do all three to win. You have to do all three to win, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll so do that. go to our. I'll do that right now as you're introducing our guest. Okay, you do this every time. You're not eligible. Okay. All right. So. That's what's happening uh, with our, um, plus you get a chance to see our new website. Yes, it's very nice. It's very nice. 
<laughs> very nice. Um, and before we, we are going to get to the guests soon, before we do, I do want to just remind everybody that we do have a new show. I talked about it, just kind of threw it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Shawarma Shack is on Wednesday nights where we recap the Marvel Cinematic Universe events of the day. Right now, that would be Moon Knight yeah. that's going on. So Moon Knight comes out on Wednesday. Watch it. Then join us at 9.15 p.m. and we will spoil the heck out of it and talk about Darn how cool it was. You know, so obviously watch it first. And if you don't uh, want to be spoiled, watch it whenever you want and catch it uh, in a replay on YouTube or your favorite podcast player. There you go. That's Indeed. Pitch. Nice right. pitch. I went way longer than I said, uh, than I told our guest uh, that we would. Well, and so, you know. It wouldn't be World Gone Geek. <laughs> let's bring him on, right? <laughs> yes, let's do it. So today we have a great guest. Um, he is a writer. He has written in tons of publications about some of the most famous pop culture icons uh, that you can name. He has also written for the uh, for Disney, for the Cars uh, comic book, which is kind of awesome. And he, most recently he has published the James Bond lexicon. And with the 60th anniversary uh, we would just figured we had mm. to talk to him. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Alan J. Porter. We Yay. appreciate you coming. Thanks, guys. Great to be on the show. Um, looking there forward to the is. conversation. So. Oh, we are, too. I, I'm so excited. I have to admit, I haven't read the book yet. Usually I try to read some of the book before a guest comes on so that I can speak intelligently about it. Um, I did look at <laughs> some of the <laughs> some of the the excerpts and things like that. And this is this is a book that goes super in depth on James Bond. And I want to get in to that. Okay. But before we, before we do, <laughs> I really, we want to, we want to get to know Alan J. Porter. We want to know who you are. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of how you got into writing. Um, obviously you're into some of these things we geek out about. You, you are, a, 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 I am a fully fledged uh, geek. A, yes. I'm... There you go. Um, <laughs> so we want to know, like, how did that happen? Where, what is your earliest memory of like oh you know what i think i'm a geek <laughs> <laughs> i think i've always been a geek um i think my dad was a geek um i don't know i grew there up in a go. house that was always full of comic books uh in the uk british comics things like the eagle and uh, my dad was a subscriber to the eagle comic from the 50s oh, nice. from the first issue so when i was growing up there was always the eagle in the house my parents bought me comics every week um there was always science fiction stuff around the house so, you know, um, British of a certain age, you, I, you know, my first doctor was the first doctor. So I've been with Doctor Who literally from the beginning. Um, nice. so yeah, I just always been part of my life and then Bond sort of fell into my life when I was probably six or seven years old and it's been part of my life around the same time, you know, mid sixties, they say it's the three B's Batman, Bond and the Beatles. Mm. Look behind me. You can see the third one um, on the wall. Um, <laughs> yeah. so the Beatles has always been a big. So, yeah, the, just that sort of geek trifecta has always been part of my life. Um, and it sort of grew from there. And then, you know, Star Trek came along and all those great, the Jerry Anderson stuff. Grew up on all the Jerry Anderson shows and then, mm. you know, all, all the, the great British science fiction stuff um, and all the stuff in the, in the theater and then moved to the States about 25 years ago. And it was like, Oh, there's this whole other culture <laughs> to start absorbing. So, um, getting into that. So yeah, it's, I've just been a fully fledged geek pretty much since I could, you know, turn on the TV. Yeah. So nice. That's, fun. That, that's, that's actually fascinating to me that you, you, when you came to America, you realize there's a whole nother geek culture because I remember as a kid discovering that 
the UK had this great geek culture and I was jealous of that. And I was like, they've got Doctor Who. Um, they've got Thunderbirds. Uh, you know, all, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, um, there was there was uh, even the, some of the best sitcoms. Uh, oh, yeah. Ever. The, the American TV stole all the best. Oh, the ones that everybody reckons are classic American sitcoms are all stolen from the UK. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the yeah. only one that they did right or did well and different was The Office. Like they took their own direction yeah, with that. And that was it's successful. Still no, 100 yeah, percent. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. The re- yeah. A lot of the other ones were terrible. Uh-huh. Um, like, I don't know if you know, like I, I was a huge fan as a kid. Um, our PBS channel would rerun these all the time and they would have a marathon every time there was a, there was a, uh, telethon going on. Right. Oh yeah. Right. And that was, that was faulty towers. Uh-huh. Faulty John towers is a, yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I never laughed so hard in my life as a kid watching this show over and over again. Uh, I, every time it was on, I had to catch it. So funny. Same with Monty Python. Mm. They showed those Indeed. Mr. Bean, all of these things. I'm like, nobody is funnier than the British. I mean, it's just, that's the case, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they do it, it's in our DNA. but they're just yeah. funnier than us. They just are. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but, but we tried a faulty towers. I don't know if you, yeah, 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 yeah. it was yes. called Roy, the Ro- Royal, Royal something or other. John Larroquette was supposed to be John Cleese. He was a John Cleese character. Yeah. I think it lasted like two episodes. And I watched it immediately. Cause right. I'm like, Oh, faulty towers in America. Right. Let me see. And as soon as it's going, I'm like, this is the worst thing oh, I've sure. ever seen in well, my life. Like we just can't do it. And Not was, that type of humor. No, like the, we have our own yeah, but even style. Things, and, things like All in the Family, which is an American classic, is based on a British. Is yeah. right. Based Same on with a, yeah, a lot of people don't know yeah. that. Yeah. Wasn't Friends based on a British? No, I don't think so. But like three, I mean, I'm going back to the seventies. Things like Three's Company. That's a, that's Three's a Company pretty, also from a yeah. British show. You know, so Friends actually, now that- is a British show based on a British show. Actually, oh, I didn't all, know that. Oh, almost wow. word for word, some of the episodes are, are literal word for word. Trump transcriptions of the British wow. show. So wow. I'm going to look that up. That so. was one thing I found interesting was when they, when they transplanted the office, like the first episode of the American version was basically just a verbatim yeah. recreation of the first episode of the British office. Right. And I wasn't quite sure. I went, yeah. I'm like, uh, I hope they don't do this a lot because it's, it just doesn't work. And yeah. I'm glad so, that they went yeah. in a different direction that they did. Cause I don't but, think it but, but to give kudos well. the other way, I also grew up in the UK, you know, Star watching Star Trek, Man from Uncle, yeah. Mission Impossible, you know, all those great adventure shows, Six Million Dollar Man and all that mm. that we watched grew up watching in the UK. But what we didn't what we did was we watched the American ones. You didn't try and actually recreate them, which I think was the <laughs> right. was which the makes big more pro- sense. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. I don't know why I don't know why we have a habit of doing that. And the, the friends thing, I I remember there was something, it was either, it was based on a British show, which probably is not it. Or there was a, it was the first time that a British show actually kind oh, of took the inspiration. Took the inspiration from the American. It, was oh, like, it might be. There was yeah. a show called Coupling or something like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's, yeah, that's slightly different. Yeah, yeah. But. Vaguely. Yeah, I, that might even not even be the one. No, it's just vaguely the around that time. Coupling, so as well. Okay, so gotcha. then it wasn't that. <laughs> but I do I do remember that the American version of that. Yeah, that was short. And if you're a Doctor Who fan, Coupling was written by Stephen Moffat. So. No way. <gasps> Mr. Yeah. Moffat. I'm going to have to check it out now. I believe well, it was Stephen um, Moffat, yeah. So. That's great. Um, I had no idea we were going to talk about like British <laughs> television, but I'm glad we are because I love that. And I love that you said that you've been watching The Doctor since the first Doctor. I think that's fantastic. I, Baker was my first yeah. uh, Doctor. Yeah, and same, I, you know, yeah. same thing on PBS. On uh, PBS I, I will like say, I, I know chronologically and because my parents have told me that I did start watching it with the William Hartnell one, but I will say the first one I really remember is the Patrick Troughton story. 
Um, okay. That's the first one I got really clear memories of watching, but, uh, but yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on the 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 newer seasons? Like um, I actually haven't. I've only watched a couple of episodes of the last season. Uh, was it thirteen? These new season numbers blow my mind. Yeah, because, it's, it's, yeah. Um, of the Jodie Whittaker one, I watched the first season. Um, I like Jodie. I think she's doing a good job. I wasn't that impressed by some of the stories that they told. Yeah, that's um, that's my direction. Too. I haven't seen this. I haven't seen her second season yet. Um, but bar two episodes, I think. So, um, I, I'm, I, I must admit, I, t- I watch, I tend to put Dr. Who episodes on my iPad when I'm up for when I'm traveling, I'm on the plane. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sort of dipping in and out of a lot of the David Tennant and Matt Smith ones at the moment. Mm, um, yeah. Some of the classic ones. Um, I yes, watched midnight right. flying back from our joint head office last week. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I watched, um, I think I watched midnight, which was really cool. It's a really cool horror episode with uh, David Tennant and Catherine Tate. I thought that was really good. So I, I like some of the modern stuff, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm a classic Whovian at heart, I guess. So. Yeah. Well, that's what I was curious about since you yeah, kind of grew up with the originals, um, like what you thought of the kind of the reboot that occurred when Christopher Eccleston. I thought it was great. Took a, um, it was oh, way out of you. Yeah. 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 Uh, Christopher Eccleston, David Tennant were great. Um, Matt Smith, most of his stuff I liked. Peter Capaldi, again, I think was underserved by the writing. And I think Absolutely. Same, uh, same thing is happening with Jodie Whittaker. So. No, I yeah. agree. I, I really, and really this, love So Peter the next Capaldi. season, though, it's total. It's back to... Uh, so Russell T. Davis somebody, is taking yeah, RTD's yeah. back, right? Yeah, yeah. RTD's yeah. back. So we'll see how so that goes. It should be good again. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> That's what well, I'm curious. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we got to give Jodie a, a couple of like legitimately really, you know, well-written, well-written seasons before we cast any kind of judgments on her because i think she's great I yeah, I think she but yeah she's it's hard to it's hard to you know it's hard to really shine when when some of the stories are, and this last season i think that's the one that's like the whole season is like one, one story. big arc. is it okay because i haven't oh so maybe it's i'm two called, seasons I, behind i don't know so. and i might be wrong it might be the one before i can't remember but whatever it was i hated it no. like i just did not like any no. of it i was like this is not this is not good enough for, for Doctor Who. But some of the other ones, I mean, I, I thought were fine. Some more individual, the more classic yeah. new type episodes. Yeah, I must admit, I have a, I always like the historical ones. I like the ones when they go back and sort of uh, at some point in history, more more than the pure science fiction ones, really. Um, over right. time, yeah. I think I've sort of gravitated more to the historical stories. Yeah. I gotcha. So, so, um, and so tell us a little bit about your, uh, how you got started. Oh yeah. You asked me how writing. I got started writing. Yeah. We went way yeah. off tangent. On that yeah. We do that all the time. It's yeah. totally fine. No, that, that's, our, that's, that's our what, um, right. Exactly. I, I, I started writing basically because they told me at school I couldn't, um, Oh, nice. <laughs> um, I can't spell. I will be completely honest. I've told everybody this. I literally cannot spell. I, I am a really bad speller. Um, and I really needed the advent and I was told at school, I always wanted to write stories. I wrote stories when I was at school, seven, pretty much from the age of about eight onwards. Um, But they were always horribly spelt and mangled. And um, the English teachers always used to despair of me. And I said I wanted to be a writer. And they were like, no, you know about mechanical things. Go be an engineer. Um, So they sort of pushed me in in that thing. So some of my, uh, and then I found out that I was like, well, maybe I could, combine those and find an engineering job where they need writing. And I was told there's no job in the world where that combines engineering and writing. Um, so my first job actually out of, uh, once I graduated college was as a technical writer. Um, 
no job where you can combine engineering and technology. Uh, <laughs> yeah, writing, right. so, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, I was a tech writer uh, on Concord. That was actually my first job as a tech writer oh. on Concord, um, which was a pretty cool way to start a career. Um, yeah. But of course, by that time, computers were coming on and they had this magical thing called a spell checker. Hey. Um, so I just, I started writing and uh, my wife um, very kindly signed me up for one of these, you know, if you're not published by the end of this course, we will refund your scholarship, your, your money type courses. And by the end of the, I got to the end of the first module, I'd already sold two magazine articles. Um, nice. So that was in my, I was in my early thirties then. And I've been, I've been pretty much writing since then. I've been, you know, magazine articles and then that grew into book, uh, nonfiction books and then started doing short stories and novellas. So at the moment I've sort of mixed between um, short stories, novellas, comics, and uh, nonfiction, mainly geek driven nonfiction projects. So, yeah. yeah. So I've been Fun. pretty much writing steadily for you know, 30 years now, maybe. So I just gave my age away there. If anybody wants to very quickly do the math. <laughs> um, we don't, we don't, we're not, you, you you're bad at spelling. We're bad at math. Okay. So you're okay. All right. yeah, um, yeah, it's all good. The, <laughs> um, <laughs> I noticed that in your when it from as far as short stories go that you have written a couple in uh, Sherlock Holmes yeah. consulting detective volumes. Tell me about how that came about and what it was like writing basically, you know, the greatest detective in the history of literature. Um so I sold a couple of uh short stories to a publisher that does uh, new pulp um series, uh, a couple of noir detective stories. Um, and they were starting off this new series of Sherlock Holmes consulting detectives. And, um, I pitched an idea and the editor came back and said, yeah, great. Um, let's go for it. And it was one of those things that I sort of closed the email and sort of jumped up and down and ran around my office and said, I'm going to write Sherlock Holmes. It's awesome. And then I stopped and I'm like, oh shit, I have to write Sherlock, write Sherlock Holmes. Holmes right? <laughs> um, and it is, it, it's like, how do you come up with something worthy of Holmes? It can't just be a standard like detective story. Like I write for a 1930s gumshoe in New York. It has to be right. something special. And I was really struggling with it. And I was on a business trip. Um, God, where was it? It was, day, yeah, it was, uh, I was going to um, an event uh, in all, in Florida and I was getting off the plane in Orlando and I'm walking through the airport and my, you know, there's an airport bookstore that is all, you know, so I have to walk through the airport bookstore and right on an end cap was a book about the greatest jewel robbery in history that took place in the late 1800s. And I, as soon as I opened the flyleaf and read it, I'm like, this Perfect. is it. This is my home story. <laughs> um, and that's what I've done with every, I've, I've had two published so far. I've got another one that's partly written. Um, and um, I've got others in the back of my head, but what I, I tend to do is find stories that are real crime stories and then sort of think, how would Holmes attack that case and then twist yeah. them so they become a sort of a Holmesian worthy case. Um, and again, I think it's part of my love of history. I was just like digging in and doing the research and the stuff that I found out about it. So, uh, yes. So that, I love that. So basically that's what I do is, is all my home stories are actually based on true crimes yeah. from Actual around crime. the late 1800s, early 1900s that I found out, find out about. Oh, how cool. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff when, when like a fiction, fictional character interacts with real history. Right. And like, how would they deal with it? Like even, I don't know if you, uh, uh, even the Batman Arkham by Gaslight. Uh, the, I don't know oh yeah. The Elseworlds. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, those I love, you know, there's, you know, alternate histories. I, lo- I love Jack those. Yeah. yeah. I love those Elseworlds books as, as they used to call them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to, to, to take on, you know, to see what Holmes would do in those situations. I mean, that's, I, I mean, that's, a, I would imagine that's quite a daunting task because he's, um, well, I mean, Sherlock like, Holmes. I, I've always loved Sherlock Holmes, but I don't think I could write anything because I know that I am not nearly as smart as he is. Right. <laughs> and yeah. so, so could I do his even, even do it justice? Did you have any imposter syndrome? Oh yeah. Yeah. In? There are, there was that. And the thing is, he wasn't, as I said, I started off with like one thing, but then other things would, would come into it. So just give an example of um, another scene. My wife and I went out for a dinner in a, in a restaurant here in Austin, Texas. And uh, we noticed that the forks were laid on the table in a particular way. And I said to the waiter, why are the forks like that? And he was like, oh, well, they used to be that way because they used to have the crest of the hotel on them, but people would then steal them. But we still have them in laid in that way because it's like the tradition of the hotel, even though they're just normal forks now. And I was like, huh. That found its way into the Sherlock Holmes thing because that's the sort of thing that Holmes would notice is right. sure. that the cutlery would have had a certain crest on it and that it would be laid a particular way and stuff. And it's, so I think the thing I found was not, you know, I didn't position myself as the smartest guy in the room, but I do find when I'm working on homes, I get way more observant. Mm. I sort of get into his mindset as when we're out anywhere, I'm sort of picking up details that, um, that I wouldn't probably normally notice. So. I love that. That's That's so cool. Did did you have to uh, deal with the, uh, with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's family or estate? No, because it's public domain here in the U.S. Uh, Yeah, so there was Ah. a whole court case about that, which is what allowed them to start this series of uh, consulting consulting detectives. Um, So, yeah. That's true, Uh, right. There was a court case with Enola Holmes, that that Netflix series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, but it was... Even prior to that, there was a whole Even prior, there was still other... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they they were able to do it, uh, or the, the... the, the gist of the court case with the Nola Holmes was that um, they depicted Sherlock, uh, his emotional relationships with family and stuff. And that was the stuff that isn't in public domain yet. Like when they, when they, right, when that those was, books, I guess, started to, to deal more with his, right. Those were the later like, books, like right. his psyche yeah. and his but, friendships. But the actual, but the actual his, character of Sherlock Holmes and the basic stuff is, yeah. is in the public right. domain. It is yeah. now public domain. Right. Yeah. So, so they were, they were just mad about that aspect of it being, you know, Henry Cavill yeah. showing yeah. emotion, love for a sister. Yeah. Being, yeah. <laughs> being human. I guess. Yeah. They're like, that part is not, that's still, that's in the newer stories that are not right. public that's domain. Yeah. yeah. I mean, domain, the current yeah. Dola state have always had a love hate relationship with the, yeah. Uh, with the public, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so you've also um, written uh, some nonfiction, as we said, yeah. about some cool pop culture things. Uh, you've got Star War- or Star Trek, a comics history, yeah, and, and an unauthorized Batman collector's guide, which both of those sound interesting. Those to sound me. incredible. Um, <laughs> yeah how did how did that how did the Star Trek a comics history come about and like um, what was your- well, Star Trek comes out of the James Bond. So let me take it back. So originally oh, talking about my geek geek stuff, I was, I was a complete Batman geek. I used to have a, a massive um, Batman collection. Um, 
And I couldn't find a, collect, a, a guide. It was like, if you wanted to guides to the Batman collectibles, you had to buy like a comic book guide, a wristwatch guide, a, you know, a toy um, guide, ones, a, blah, blah, right. all these separate, you know, and it's like somebody should do a, you know, a guide that brings all the Batman stuff together. So I was like, ah, so, um, <laughs> I pitched it and a publisher literally picked it up. I literally got a phone call the next day from the publisher saying, we want to do this. Um, and I was like, and that was, that ended up being my first book. And I was like, all these people who say it's really difficult to get a book deal. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I was like, um, um, and that was a project I wish I'd never done in some senses because talking about, um, we worked on it for three years. We kept DC and Warner Brothers informed every step of the way until they saw a draft of what the book was going to look like. And then they oh. hit us with a cease and desist. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, what? And we, we, I ended up going backwards and forwards with their legal and we got them down to, you must do these seven things if you want to publish the book. Like we couldn't have the Bat logo on the front cover. Oh. Um, and I don't know if you can actually see it on the wall behind me, but if you actually... That's that's it up there. Oh, there's the, the bat, one. It's not the bat logo. It's not like on the on the red front cover and stuff. Oh, I yeah, see. yeah, okay. Um, and we had to have like copyright statements throughout, and there were certain sure. design elements we couldn't use and things like that. Um, so it became a, it became a really big headache. But it was it, that came out in '97. That came out, and of course, unfortunately, it came out around the time of Batman and Robin. <clears throat> which was probably oh, not the best that, Batman movie. That's, to bad, look. that's bad timing. Yeah. It was bad timing. Um, <laughs> um, and then it took me seven years to get my next book out, which was the Beatles book. Um, so, so much, but yeah, it is difficult to get a book deal. Um, it does take a while. <laughs> uh, that taught me a lesson. Um, but anyway, eventually I, I, I was going to do a, 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 this is a very long answer to your question. I, I was going to do a, um, or I started doing research. I wanted to do a, joint biography of the two men who co-created Batman, Bob Kane and Bill Finger. Yeah. Um, and nobody would publish it. All I would get taken around was, yeah, we want to read the story, but I don't want to publish it. It's like too hot a potato uh, legally. Um, oh. So I went to, I was at San Diego Comic Con and I pitched it to uh, the folks at a publisher called Hermes Press uh, and Dan, the publisher, we were chatting away and he, he was another, yeah, I'd love to read it, don't want to publish it. And I'm sort of, my shoulders fell. Because I'd heard that like 10 times that day. Mm. Um, and he said, so what else have you got? And just off the top of my head, I said, how about a book about the history of James Bond in comics? Mm. And he went, uh. yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what he said. And then he, he followed it up with, well, send me a pitch. So I did, and he bought the book, and we wrote that book, and it came out. Um, and it went really well. So the year after that, because we got to know each other, and we both knew we were Trekkies, he said, how about doing a similar book on the history of Star Trek? Star Trek. Um, huh. And I said, well, I'm not that much of a Trekkie. And then I sat in my office and I looked around at the model of the Enterprise and the triple on my desk <laughs> and thought, yeah, maybe Just I am that much of a Trekkie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll do it. So that's how that book came about. So, uh, yeah. And oh, my tagline for that, that was, I read 600 Star Trek comics, so you don't have to. Um, wow. That's funny. I have a, I have a, a friend. Uh, he's been on our show. Uh, Rich? A while ago, Rich. Hanley. Oh, I know. Yeah, Rich was. Yeah, I know Rich. He's a good buddy. Yes. I, I was going to say, I figure you guys, you guys have, have to have crossed paths. Yeah. Because yeah. oh, well. this guy has written books. Rich, uh, Rich is uh, actually uh, very uh, central to the story of the James Bond lexicon as well. So Really? I'm going to have to ask him about that. <laughs> so. Um yeah, Rich. Uh, Rich was on our show. He and, a, uh, and actually a good friend of mine, uh, 
wrote or edited together uh, musings on monsters about the the Paramount right. the classic, monsters, the classic and monsters, Godzilla, and all these different like monsters in in uh, books. And so we had them, and it was the Halloween episode, I think. Right. Like, it was. Yeah. Last year, two years ago. Two anyway, years ago. Um, but yeah, so Rich was on the show then, and, and yeah, and, no, Rich was. But yeah, is that- Rich was instrumental in in helping pull together all the stuff I needed for the Star Trek comics history. But that's fun. He's still writing about the comics. I think, like he, yeah. I think he writes a regular article. Yeah, he does a regular uh, thing. As a regular, yeah, hero collector. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's kind of fun. This isn't about Rich. We won't talk about him. Anymore. Uh, <laughs> he's just kidding. He, he's no, catching um, up on Doctor Who. We can. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yes. Um, yeah. So, well, I mean, I guess, I guess we gave a plug for Rich Hanley. Yeah. Check out Rich Hanley uh, as an author as well. I guess he's just going to have to come um, back on the show. Uh, he will. Well, no, it's already planned. Uh, next season, though. Excellent. Because uh, we're, we're, all our guests are up, so we'll make it happen. Um, yeah, so let's talk about the the James Bond, uh, the comics one first of all. Oh, because yes. yeah. I got to be honest, I re- I've read a lot of comics. I read. Um, I was also a Batman, huge Batman fan, and then everything else was pretty much Marvel. Like Batman was my only DC. A little bit of Superman, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, but mostly, mostly Marvel Batman stuff and Marvel. But I love Batman. Yeah. Just love him, love him, love him. But I I don't remember any James Bond comic books like i don't remember ever seeing those or even having because i think i feel like i would have liked to have read those like i i like james bond right no it's funny right. since i was a kid okay i'm it's gonna funny. get visual here so here's the book yeah please do oh, james look bond, at that the history book. of the illustrated 007 nice um nice there cover. Are more original james bond stories told in comics format than any other media I remember you're kidding. Me. Wasn't there like a, a weekly? It's fantastic. I remember seeing as a kid um, a James Bond comic strip. Right. So there was a James Bond comic strip in the Daily Express, the British newspaper that ran for 25 years. Okay. Um, and they started off by adapting the uh, Fleming stories and then obviously ran out of Fleming stories. So started creating their own um, stories. So actually, the first. It's arguable as to which is the first non-Fleming Bond story, whether it's Colonel Sun, the continuation novel, or a comic strip called The Harpies. They came out within about two weeks of each other, so you can argue which one came first. <laughs> That's so funny. That. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that, that strip ran for 25 years, um, and then it was picked up and translated in a lot of countries, and then they started to do their own Um from the mid eighties onward, this uh, in Sweden they did a whole series of original James Bond comics. Um, Chile, would you believe, did a whole series uh, in the sixties and seventies, where they not only adapted Fleming, adapted the movies, but created their own original Bond stories as well. Um, and then they've been translated in pretty much every language that you can think of around the world. There's 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 translations of the newspaper strips. Um, some places did unofficial adaptations of the movies. Um, in comic book format. So um, there wow. are hundreds of James Bond stories in, 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 in the comics format. But the US is a very interesting story because um, when Dr. No came out, Classics Illustrated adapted it in the UK. That was picked up and reprinted throughout Europe. Classics Illustrated in the US did not want to publish it. So DC got the license through various, I won't go into a long story, but basically it ended up at DC who um, decided to take the classics illustrated story, um, take out all the Asian skin tones and make everybody white. Uh, 
Oh, wow. Um, and then published it in DC show, in an issue of DC Showcase that came out four, three months before the movie actually opened here in the US. Oh, my gosh. So it disappeared <laughs> from the newsstands literally the month that the movie opened. Um, and then DC held on to the license for like about 15 years on the basis that, well, we tried it in Showcase and it didn't sell. Therefore, James Bond doesn't sell. So through the height of all the Bond mania, Oh my gosh. The 60s, DC was sat on the license and would not do anything with it. And nobody else could do anything with it. And nobody else could do anything with it because DC had it. Oh my gosh. And then in the 70s, Marvel picked it up. They did an adaptation of For Your Eyes Only and Octopussy. Um, And then it went to. um, Then there was an adaptation of License to Kill, which was done through Acme Press. Um, And then it ended up at Dark Horse. And they did several. short stories, um, miniseries, which were actually really good. Um, and then it went to Tops, who did an adaptation of GoldenEye, which lasted one issue. It was meant to be three a three-issue adaptation of GoldenEye. And after the first <laughs> no. one, Eon Productions said, you can't do it anymore. It's too sexy. And it's like, have you watched your movie? Too sexy? <laughs> How can a... Too sexy? Yeah, this is yeah. bond. <laughs> because somebody at Eon was like, comics are for kids. You can't have the sex in it. It's like, it's literally oh scene for scene what's in your movie. Um, yeah, yeah. So they would not actually allow any more James Bond. Uh, and, and that's as far as my book goes, because that, my book covers that period. And uh, when wow. I wrote the book, there hadn't been a new James Bond comic for like 10 years or so. But now, obviously, in the last several years, um, Dy- Dynamite Comics has the license, and they are doing amazing work. They're putting they? some really great James Bond stories in comics nice. format. And I've just noticed the sun is coming through my office window and you're getting J.J. Abrams um, style. Um, <laughs> lens we're getting lens flares. Lens flares. So let me just go close the blinds. I'll be back. Okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> I just, that blows my mind, Utah. That I didn't, I guess I was just so laser focused on superheroes. As right. Well, like I, and I just never saw the James Bond on the shelf. Because I would have read those. Yeah, I, like I said, I remember seeing James Bond comic strips. I was totally unaware of any James Bond comic books. But then it also sounds like, because um, this would have been in the uh, 70s, 80s. It, it sounds like there weren't high quality James Bond comic books anyway. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. I would love That's to get I would love to get my hands on one of those Dr. No's. Um, okay. and I noticed that actually hasn't helped at all and has made things probably worse, but never mind. <laughs> well, right, I have a round be... window at the top of the wall that doesn't have a, oh, a line on it and the sun is coming right through that that, that section. So <laughs> It's okay. So, we can pretend that like you're a James Bond villain, and that's yeah. Like, okay, uh, I'm just in shadow now. So there you go. Yes. <laughs> well, again, the, the bulk of our audience is the podcast listeners, <laughs> right. anyway. So okay, they'll, he sits they'll, mysteriously. They, they don't silhouette. even know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Utah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I highly to, recommend the Dynamite comics. Um, oh, cool! I'm going to check that yeah. out now. For are, sure. are, are, yeah, any no the, are the Dynamite comics original stories? Or are they based? They are on, all original stories. They have a various. Um, Miniseries that run four to six issues, um, and they are contemporary Bond stories. I actually think the best version of a modern James Bond in any media, much better than the Daniel Craig movies, um, I think, in my personal mm. opinion. And they also did <laughs> a um, James Bond Origins 12-issue series, which basically is him as a young boy in the beginnings uh, during World War II that talks shows how he got into involved with the Secret Service, oh, wow. which is pretty cool. That sounds amazing. I'm gonna to have to look that up. Just so, that, the James Bond origin sounds incredible to me. So, 
So yeah, I, highly recommend I'm, those. Um, I'm actually looking at it now. I wanted to see because I was curious, like, what does James Bond look like in the comics? Because that, and and they are they aren't basing them on any of the no, movies. No, well, but they, they are licensed by Ian Fleming Publications, so they're nothing to do with the movies. So yeah, right, he's just yeah. he's just a. Yeah. a uh, it looks like Bruce Wayne a little bit yeah and what I'm looking at right here but yeah that's cool I'm just like I'm that's amazing I'm sitting here gobsmacked because I love James Bond movies and I would read this dynamite comic in a heartbeat I'm gonna have to see if it's on comiXology and uh yeah it is because I actually read it digitally on comiXology and then I buy the hard there we go I buy uh, the hard cover that out yeah so hey and they're they're only 77 issues so they're not too many to not so no. many that you can't catch up <laughs> no yeah, well, it is for me. <laughs> I get so little time to read. I binge shows all day while I'm working, and that's the only way I can stay on top of stuff for this show. And then I try to read at night, and I get like three pages in, and I'm gone. <laughs> so I'm, I'm currently reading Stephen King's Billy Summers. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm maybe I'm maybe fi- uh, you know fifty sixty pages in. And that's been like three weeks worth of, <laughs> of, of attention to it. So there you go. That's, that's kind of how that's, that's how my reading is going. Uh, I used to read so much and now yeah, I wish I got to get back on that. That's cool. I'm going to get those. Um, Definitely. So, so then that went from uh, talking just about the comics to this entire lexicon. Yeah. yeah. Tell us what, what can, what can we find in that? Like how extensive is that? Um, it is a, I'm going to get visual again here. Here we go. Sure. Hold on. Let me get you. There we go. There it we is. Go. Love it. Oh, look at That's that. That's pretty thick. That's a lot of stuff. That is about 400 and I'm just looking 450 pages of the fictional world. It's an A to Z of the fictional worlds of James Bond in movies, novels, comics, TV, um, all the pros. So we cover every James, every official James Bond story from 1953 to 2019. That's about 270, just over 270 James Bond stories that we catalogued wow. and annotated. Um, and it, it is an encyclopedia of the fictional worlds of Bond. So you won't find entries for Sean Connery, Roger Moore, Daniel Craig, etc. But if you um, want to, if you want to know who Bond's uh, interior decorator is, or who looks after his Bentley, <laughs> or how many different types of champagne he's drink, or ham- drunk, or how many women he's slept with, or the registration number of the various <laughs> cars he's driven, um, it's all in there. So that's awesome. Well, I'm already sold. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, I think there's about five thousand. Last time I did a quick count, I think it's about five thousand entries. Um, in the book. And then wow. for everything that's been published after December 2019, we have a companion website where we are keep trying to keep up with all the new Bond stuff, like the new comics. There's a new novel coming out and obviously mm-hmm. uh, No Time to Die as well. We need to, we're working on those. We're not got them up there yet. But, uh, no so, Time to Die. Yeah. So everything, mm-hmm. it, it's an ongoing, as well as the book, there is an ongoing web-based project around it as well. So, oh, cool. Yeah. And like I said, that's all because of Rich Handley. So you can blame him. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, well, we will blame him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just still, I find it hilarious that that is a connection. But then again, I, I was like, I bet he knows him. Um, well, yeah, it was inspired so, by his Planet of the Apes. Uh, oh, le- yeah. Lexicon. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He's done a lot. So, uh, 
um, he, he and he and I have bonded over Dark Shadow. Oh, okay. so <laughs> I'm, I'm currently like seven. Are you halfway? Are you halfway there yet? episodes through, which is more than halfway. Yeah. So that's um, some of that American so, geek culture that I mentioned earlier on that I had no idea existed, yeah. and Dark Shadows was not a thing I'd ever heard of until we moved over here. So, <laughs> yeah. Have you seen it? I've dipped in and out of it. I really miss. So I, I think I'd like to sit down and give it a, a more concerted try. But as you said, there is so much to watch these days as a geek. It's yeah. just yep. impossible to keep up with everything. Never mind revisiting yeah. old stuff. So. Mm. Right? Yeah, it's it, true. It is, it is an awe. It is so it's true. It's just, it's a product of its time in America that is such, it's fascinating to watch for how bad it can be sometimes, but also how like kind of ingenious. So it's just like Doctor like, Who, basically. Yeah, yeah, moments yes, of genius, exactly. and yeah. then and then I heard somebody, and I'm gonna, I I don't have, it's not my quote, so I'm gonna admit that. Um, somebody referred to it, and this is great. I wish I could remember who, so I could give him credit, but they referred to Dark Shadows as a show uh, about about a about a boom mic and the people who live in its shadow <laughs> or something like that. I'm, I'm sure I just butchered okay, it. That's but hilarious. That's, it's so funny how many times you see the shadow of the boom mic or, or, the boom mic or a crewman walking into the scene and coming back out suddenly. Like It's so poorly produced, but it has some really, really interesting stories uh, occasionally in and out, you know, that you'll find. And it's just really fun, funny, uh, funny to watch. And just to see that period of time is just it's fascinating. Cool. Anyway, so it's not dark, about dark shadows. We'll have, we'll have Rich on to talk about dark shadows. <laughs> we will. Um, but uh, this being the 60th anniversary of the films yep. of James Bond, um, I, I, you know, I've been watching those since I was young. Now my first James Bond film was actually Roger Moore. So that's when I was first kind of introduced to my mom loved Roger Moore and she, well, she loved Sean Connery too. How I, how I didn't end up going to one of those. I don't know. Um, but then I, when I saw that, I had to go back and watch other ones because I, I was so much fun watching Roger Moore as James Bond, and they're very different. Very they're different. Diff- very different. They're very different characters. in tone. Yes. Yeah. Well, they're all different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Each each actor kind of brings a different uh, a different Bond to the screen. Very much so. And, yeah. Uh, I so I, 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 do you have everyone? Everyone you know, talks about. Do you right. have a favorite? <laughs> Um, I mean, my usual, I was going to say my usual answer is what you just said, that they all bring something to the part because they do. Right. And they all add something to the character. So yeah, I have a favorite, but I don't think he's the best, if that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, sure. Um, So my favorite is Piers Brosnan. Um, I think he loved playing the part so much. He's very clear. um, And he could do, he could do, I mean, he looks amazing. Um, Right. um, He... I think if you put all the the the, the parameters for um, what James Bond should look like, an on-screen James Bond should look like, and you put it into a, an artificial intelligence machine learning algorithm, you get Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> I would agree um, with that. I think so. Yeah, um, and he, he clearly loved playing the part. Yeah, I think he, you know, he's unfortunately he was not necessarily served by the best script again. Um, I think right. he's, he's generally the you know the movies got slightly worse and worse each time. Um, so he's my favorite because I, I think he really encompasses everything that Roger Moore did, a touch of, of the, the, the Lazenby stuff as well. Um, and, and the Connery, he can do the, the, you know, the dangerous stuff like Connery can. He moved well. He looked great. Was clearly having a ball playing the part. So, yeah, De- Pierce is definitely my favorite. Um, Timothy Dalton, I think, is the best in the fact that he's closest to Fleming's Bond. 
Um, yeah, so I would agree um, with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So those are my usual two answers to to that sort of question. I like that. Well, and you know, and it's it's also interesting that you know, Pierce Brosnan was uh, approached to play Bond so much earlier in his career. But he was contractually obligated to NBC, right? Oh, um, yeah. There's a whole story around that, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and, and 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 in all honesty, I feel like he was not ready to play Bond. Yeah, the interesting thing is, um, Roger Moore and Timothy Dalton were both approached a lot earlier too. Um, Roger Moore was one of the ones original um, people under consideration. Um, even before Connery, but he was tied up with the saint and things like that. He was was a saint. So yeah, he was the saint. So, you know, when he actually took on Bond, he was actually older than the official double O retirement age that Fleming actually said in the books. Oh, Um, wow. um, wow. And when um, they were looking to, for Honor Majesty's Secret Service after Connery had left, uh, Timothy Dalton was approached, but he felt he was too young at that point to play the part. Um, mm. And, and they, they came back to, and then when Roger Moore was doing his movie by movie one at the end of every movie he was like well that's it they kept going back to Timothy <laughs> they kept going back to Timothy Dalton and they couldn't get the things to work and then you know and then when the thing with Pierce Brosnan happened um, they managed to rework the schedule so they could eventually get Timothy Dalton so yeah it was they've all I think pretty much other than Daniel Craig I think Daniel Craig's the only one who was like hadn't been approached before. Right. And then got the part. All the others have been approached at some point prior to them actually getting the role. Interesting. So, yeah. Now you, 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 I, I got the sense that the, the Craig films aren't amongst your favorite. You, 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 you read that unsubtle hint very well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can, um, and, uh, and I know he's as far as I know, he's a lot of people's complaint is that he's very different from, the, the bond in the books he's and he obviously his looks you know being blonde people were like a blonde James uh, yeah blonde. no it's not that um yeah i know <laughs> so tell us uh yeah what 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 is it about the craig films that you i, I will say casino royale is actually one of my all-time favorites i think it's like number two on my list or number three i, I mean yeah, casino, casino royale, royale is one of my favorites. casino royale absolutely. is absolutely love that it's absolutely brilliant um and i i actually like one of my solace as well it works really well as a an immediate follow-up to um casino royale um so uh, I have no, no real problem with those two. I think it's partly he plays him too much as a as a thug. He's not. He doesn't come. Bond is is you know the movie Bond is a gentleman spy. He is mm-hmm. not a gentleman spy. He's a blunt instrument, which is actually Fleming's. You know, he, he, and a lot of the things that they say that Daniel Craig brought to the role, um, you know, the physicality and the emotion. Well, Lazenby did the emotion and a bit of the physicality. Lazenby was mm-hmm. a great fighter, and he did the emotional stuff. Um, you know, the, the realistic Bond who gets hurt and stuff, Dalton had done all that. Um, yes. So, he, he, you know, a lot of the stuff that they say Craig bought to the part, the others had already done. Um, it's, too, I, it's too much of like, his dress sense is terrible. Um, and then the whole <laughs> thing with the movies where they actually tried to shoehorn a Marvel Universe type continuity into the stories as they were going along, yeah. which they clearly had not planned from the beginning, but they suddenly decided they were going to go do it because suddenly got, they got the rights to Spectre back. Um, That's right. In the middle of the, So I, I, I tend to think of them as a five-issue miniseries that sort of sits off to the side. That's enjoy, You can sit and enjoy it. And it has a great start, but sort of fades away quickly. And it has a good ending. It has a good start. It has a good ending. But it's a self-contained, its own little Daniel Craig universe, which is, it's not my bond. I know a lot of people like them. 
Uh, a lot of people love them. Um, it's just not for me. I I sure. I, pref- I prefer I prefer a Bond who comes in, gets a briefing, goes and does his job, saves the world. Yeah. And then I, James Bond, Bond will return. Bond is the Bond is a plot device. If you read the books, you don't know much about James Bond personally. He's a plot device. He's, he's, he's something that you, as the viewer, should be able to put yourself in and want to be that character and draw yeah. it through the movie. And when when you get into the Craig movies, where you start getting all the backstory and stuff, he becomes too deep developed as a character to be a plot device that you, as a viewer, want to ride along with. You end up watching him, just not going on the journey with him. And oh, does, right. Does that, that make sense? Yeah, he's. Yeah, no, that yeah. does. He's he's I, a character. I don't like the, I don't like the Daniel Craig movies anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I think it's a great. I, I think you made a, a a great metaphor in the fact that it is kind of a miniseries because this is the first time where yeah. the Bond movies actually follow each other and there's like this. Well, that's actually not strictly art. true because oh. actually, from Russia with Love is actually a um, immediate uh, sequel to Doctor No. Um, oh, okay. They do actually mention there's there's others where they, they do mention, mention right they do they mention, mention bridging stuff so yeah right. it's um, and it for Marshall Love was one of my favorites too so. yeah so <laughs> there, there are there are other places where they've done that but it was so shoehorned in on this one um, and they clearly you know were going off in one direction and they decided they were you know oh we we've got this we can now use it and let's let's do it and then oh look what Marvel's doing and then it was like there was a natural end at the end of Spectre but then. Nope. Daniel Craig come back right. <laughs> so I don't know it's it's just all a mess so I just like to parcel them up and look at them on their own so personally yeah well I mean 60 years is a long time for movies to keep oh, a, yeah. a franchise yeah, right. to stay alive right. that's the truth I, I, I have been postulating on Twitter um, who do you so uh, obviously the, the big question is who's going to be the next Bond. Daniel Craig is done. Who's next? But I thought it would be fun since Bond is 60 is who would, who is what actor in their sixties would make a great 60 year old Bond? Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. I think yeah. he could still do it. There's only one answer think, to that. It's Pierce Brosnan. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He could still do it. Um, Have you seen his recent funny. movies? I mean, yeah, he's still, he's still, I it. haven't. Yeah. I, he was not the first person to pop in my head, and he should have been. You're right. I don't know how old he is, but um, probably, he's age appropriate. Yeah, he probably is. In yeah, sixties, right? Definitely, yeah. definitely age appropriate. Yeah, and he still looks great. Yeah. Hell, so, I'd, I'd yeah, go for a, totally. a movie with Pierce Brosnan being, you know, a retired 007 yeah. crotchety double. That's exactly what. I, that's why yeah, I was man, doing man, it. Which I'm like, apparently, okay. one of the early ones was meant to be one of the movies. I can't remember which one it was, and it's terrible off the top of my head. But the one of the movies. I think it was one of the Pierce Brosnan ones was actually meant to be, um, Oh, what am I doing? It was actually Goldeneye with, um, Alex Trevelyan. I like the 006, 006. Was, was actually going to be played by Anthony Hopkins as, as an, a, an older, previous 007 as no, as a previous, it was 006, but as a previous oh. 00 who mentors bond and teaches bond and then oh, betrays cool. bond. That wow. would have been fantastic. Uh, but it ended up being Sean Bean instead. So um, and they changed it around a little bit. And they changed it around, but yeah. Did he die? <laughs> what Sean Bean? Yeah, of course he did. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, that's why right. I was just curious. Not until the end of the movie. So. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, at least he made it that far. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I gotta say, you know, Goldeneye I think is one of the more underrated Bond films. Uh, I actually, it's think one of my favorites. It's a top five I, for I, me. I, yeah. 
I think GoldenEye was kind of the perfect um, device to bring Bond back after so many years. Yes. Um, And Pierce, I mean, he did so great in the role anyway. So Yeah, exactly. But um, wow, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I would have loved that. So what's your favorite Bond theme? Ooh, favorite Bond theme. Um, It's actually on my list. Well, it depends what you mean. You mean right. you mean theme song? Theme song or theme song? Oh, theme yeah, song. Theme song. Um, it's actually Thunderbolt. Oh, okay. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Yeah. 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 I love the lyrics in that about Bond. Uh, you know, he runs when others walk. He, you know, things like oh, that's that. That's true. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. He walks when others run. He, he moves. Yeah. yeah. Blah blah blah. I can't. I, I said that and I've forgotten the lyrics. But the, I think the lyrics are great. Um, and I, it's it's just a great performance. It's one I howl along to in the car. And um, that and live and let die are probably oh, depend on which die. day of the week you ask me. It's either yeah. that or live and let die. So that's one of the most unique ones. I feel like, and I love it. I absolutely love. I, mean, I love Paul McCartney. Yeah. I mean, how could it not be uh, a good song? But I, I just, um, it's one of those. that's like this is James Bond, and then it's and not. Then <laughs> we're at a we're at a circus, and we're we're having a yeah yeah. And then it, and then it's bad. Oh, James Bond again. You know, it was just it was so funny that mixture of music it's so it's just like jarring the differences but i yeah, love it works, because it works of that. really well it works do, really do you know well. do you know the yeah. story behind when they bought that in the, the, the demo tape i don't so they they got paul mccartney to write the song right and he did a demo tape being paul mccartney's demo tape had like a 60-piece orchestra of course, uh, and, right. fully produced. <laughs> um, and they bring the demo tape so george martin who was doing the the, the soundtrack you know goes it takes the tape and flies out to, you know, where they're filming, sits down with a couple of broccoli and the producer and sort of plays the demo tape and he listens to it. And then he goes, yeah, that's really good. But who are we going to get to sing it? (laughs) (laughs) Do we, do we know what he said? (laughs) And George Ramsey just said, it's Paul McCartney. Took the tape out and walked away. (laughs) Oh, that's, a, that's, that's like, amazing. That's funny. Yeah, that's always been one of my favorites. I, I actually, one of my favorites is... Um, I like the one for Casino uh, Royale. Casino oh, yeah, Royale, Chris Cornell. Uh, Chris yeah, Cornell. Yeah. I thought that was really well. I love that opening. Even the opening animation was amazing. I That... that yeah, with the I with really the love that movie. And, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, if I had to pick title, my yeah. favorite, yeah. I feel like even though it's... Uh, you know, even though I, I really love Sean Connery's Bond, I really loved R- Roger Morris because those are the ones, like I said, that I saw when I was, right. when you were when kid, I was young. Yeah. Those are like the nostalgic connections that I have, kind of like Tom Baker and Doctor yeah. Who, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, I'm connected to those guys. Um, I mean, I was still watching when Timothy Dahl. I never saw the George Lazenby when that. The best, the best, then, the best Bond it was, film. That's what everybody yeah, says. But I would it agree was, with that. Yeah. When it was current, I hadn't right. seen it yet. Like I don't, I never watched it. Um, Timothy Dalton ones, I enjoyed those. Um, but Casino Royale, keep I keep coming back to that movie as like probably my favorite Bond film. Like if I had to pick the yeah. one that the one that I just want, if I want to throw in a Bond film and watch one, you know what I mean, again and again, that's the one that comes to mind for me. Um, and I don't know why. Part of it, I think, is that opening. It's so mesmerizing, and that song and that animation, and uh, and I I love how tense they made that card game. <laughs> when yes. and when he's when he's poisoned, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just oh my gosh, it's just I I love the pacing and the acting. Yeah, it's that a really good movie. Yeah, well, just yeah. just the yeah. whole opening sequence, right? I, I love how they set yeah. they, they set up the, 
Right. You get you go black and white. They're talking about oh, that. his first. Yeah, so the pre-title sequence. Yeah, yeah. the pre-title sequence. They're talking about yeah. his first kill and doing yeah. black and white. The, yeah. the fight in the bathroom. Yeah. The, the the very clever you know gun barrel sequence that yeah. wasn't at the beginning, but they you know stuck it yeah. in there in a nice yeah, clever way. Did it. And yeah. then the way and the ending when he walks up and he yeah. says his name. Uh, you know, like yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought it was yeah, it's a really good one. Um, yes, yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, the the um, I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> we we ended we're, we're asking about oh the themes. songs the, the songs, songs yeah, right yeah, yeah. and then um and then nobody does it better is just a really classic nostalgic song for me too I feel like um yeah I mean that, that's very uh, indicative of the Roger Moore period it's it's uh, yeah I, I, I like it because again that's the one I grew that's just that was my childhood, childhood. I, I liked I, I can't remember which movie that was from all of a sudden I, I like the uh, fact that the song comes up right, right, right as he's jumping off the ski cliff and yeah it's the opening of uh, the Spy You Love Me, Bond 77. Spy You Love Me. I think it was Spy You Love yeah. Me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the disco Bond 77 version of the Bond theme. So That's right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite Bond theme, Utah? Oh, that's tough. Um, you know, I, I have this thing for Goldfinger, um, and I feel like that's really a lot of nostalgia just because that was the first Bond movie I remember actually seeing. And there's something about Shirley's vocals that are, is just... Um, yeah, really yeah, amazing for, um, but yeah, I like Chris Cornell's song in Casino Royale. Um, and then there was, there are actually two songs from Tomorrow Never Dies. One that was Tomorrow Never Dies. Right. And then Surrender. And then Surrender. Right. And yeah. they actually, wasn't one originally written for the. Surrender the was originally song? written for, to be the theme. And he's actually, if you, 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 you can hear it all the way through the s- soundtrack. Right. It, um, and then the like the producers over over uh, overruled David Arnold, the the, uh, the composer, and said, "You shall use this Cheryl Crow song, which he didn't like." But yeah, so because I prefer I prefer Surrender. Over yeah, Surrender Crow is song. is way better. Yes, right. And, and, yeah. and I was surprised. I remember being in the theater and hearing that song like over the credits. I'm like. Yeah. Where was this at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, exactly. Well, it was designed to be at the beginning of the movie. Right. Like I say, it, you, it, you can hear it all the way through the soundtrack. Yeah, it was. The motif so. is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I well, yeah, there you go. Those are my songs. And and the Billie Eilish uh, Phineas one just yeah. won. It won the, the Oscar. Oscar. It did. Yeah, yeah. Third, the third Bond song in a row to win an Oscar. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, so we're, we're we're coming up on time. We're actually over time, so I'm <laughs> sure to respect your time. But no um, before we go, I mean, I feel like you know, I I already tease it. We talked about a 60 year old Bond, and you had the genius answer that I can't believe I didn't think of. I like Idris. I don't Elba. know why. I think I've forgotten that <laughs> Pierce Brosnan is still working. I don't know. I really? Oh, no, he's done him. a lot of really good thrillers and West. He's doing Westerns. Yeah, I just haven't stuff, seen yeah. any of them. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, he's done some yeah. westerns. I yeah. got a. I'm a, I love westerns, so I'll, I'll seek those out immediately. Um, <laughs> the uh, uh, and we talked the favorite Bond theme. I, th- I feel like we still do need to kind of at least touch on who you think might be the next in the running for the next. So Bond I have or, a double answer for that because it depends what sort of okay. depends what sort of Bond they want. So right. if you want if sure. you want a more sort of more of a Pierce Brosnan ish Mordlove. Uh, type serious, but can do the light stuff. But you know, um, I think Aiden Turner is my go-to guy. 
Oh. Uh, Paul Dark. It's in the modern version of Paul Dark. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, I, I've not watched that, but I know I know that. Show. Yeah. Um, looking at him now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and and my, my real out of left field one is if they want to go more lighthearted, because we've gone, we sort of, if you like, we went serious, lighthearted, serious, lighthearted, serious. So I think we're due more of a lighthearted one. <laughs> if they want to go really lighthearted, um, I, I, my guy is a guy, an actor called Mark Rowley, um, who is in the series The Last Kingdom, um, which is on Netflix, which is an mm. awesome show, by the way. Um, okay. And he plays an Irish mercenary called uh, Finian in that, but he's actually a Scottish actor, but I think he could do a lighthearted Bond really well. Huh. So. Well, we've we've had a Scottish. Well, I mean, before. yeah, yeah, and it well, looks it looks like Aidan Turner is Irish. Yeah, we've had so Irish, we've had Welsh, we've had Scottish, we've had English, yeah. and we've had Australian. So yeah, right. So you know, <laughs> you kind yeah. of run the gamut there. Yeah, uh, yeah. So those, those I, uh, are my two. That's interesting. But my, I, I, I think yeah. if you're going to go for somebody who may or may not get it, it's Aidan Turner. It will not be any of the famous names that you've heard because they've never done that. They never, never do cast any. They've never cast anybody who. He's already a lead actor in movies. They may be lead actors in TV, like Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan. Roger Moore, right. But they have never cast anybody who was already a lead actor in movies. Um, So every time you hear the Tom Hiddleston, Idris Elba, you know. Henry Cavill. uh, Henry Cavill. I mean, Henry Cavill was second choice to Daniel Craig the last time around. Right. Right. I think they went the wrong way. So maybe, uh, maybe that could still. But he's, also, but he's already done Superman. He's Napoleon Solo. That's he's true. the witch. Yeah. So they won't go for somebody who's Mission actually Impossible. already Mission Impossible, I mean, who's associated with another franchise in that way. Um, so I think yeah, I, I think sense. it's going to be somebody. Like, it may not be Aiden Turner, but I think it's going to be somebody like Aiden Turner who has a good solid TV resume, but is not necessarily a known movie actor. Um, right, and they needed. They needed done small movie younger, Daniel right? Craig had done stuff in Tomb Raider and Layer Cake and stuff like that, but he wasn't. I a loved movie him in Layer star. Cake. Yeah, he wasn't a movie yeah. star at that point. So, yeah. right, right. No, right. that was the first movie I re- remember. I mean, I I had seen Tomb Raider, but you I didn't, didn't recognize him. Well, he put on an American accent on that one. So, well, yeah. and he was he was not really anybody super famous Correct. at the time. And when he was announced as James Bond, I'm like, who? So, and I think that's what they're looking for yeah. is somebody that's, that that you do that with. But then you see them and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I can see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't think he's going to be, like I say, all the ones that you yeah. see in all the clickbait headlines, I don't think he's going to be any of those guys. Oh, I no, agree. True. I agree. And I, I although I, I mean, I absolutely adore Idris Elba, but it would basically, to me, it would just be continuing Daniel Craig because he, I mean, he could play suave he's and debonair, but he's also really good at that, you know, right? the, the fighter and the brutal and the tough, yeah. but he's about the same age. I feel yeah, like, yeah. and it's, so it's almost like yeah, you need somebody who's, I feel like they're going to want somebody. Yeah. They want them to take the next four or five yeah. movies uh, into their, you know, into their fifties if yeah. they can, you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of starting there. Exactly. Yeah, we, we, we don't want another Roger Moore situation where, you know, yeah, when he's actually too old to play the part when he does his first movie, right? Right, exactly. Because, <laughs> because I, I, you know, like those later movies, Octopussy, if you do a kill, where it's so obvious, you see, it, it's more stunt man in wigs than anything else. It's what do you mean, Roger, Roger Moore did all his own stunts? I don't know what you're talking what, about. What? <laughs> I have to rewatch them now. <laughs> so, um, the James Bond lexicon. Yep. 
is out right now. You can find it at Amazon because uh, I that's where I found it. Uh, <laughs> where else can they can they locate um, this? Um, Amazon, the all place? the global Amazon sites, um, and your favorite online bookstore. Um, you can find it there. And as you, if you go to the companion website, jamesbondlexicon.online, where we keep the updates and news of all the Bond stuff that's going on. Um, you can also find a link to the books to many independent um, online bookstores on our website too. So, oh, that's cool. cool. I might check that out. And um, you want to share your uh, your website if they want to. Um, yeah, more, my general writing stuff. You can just follow me at alanjporter.com, and you can find me on Twitter at at alanjporter or at Bond Lexicon for the James Bond stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been really exciting. Been I, I feel like we could keep, we need I have like a lot a, more questions. Like I'm <laughs> happy to come back and talk more, more geeky stuff. We can, we, we didn't yeah, even definitely. talk Jerry Anderson or, um, right. Yeah. I mean, I got questions about Thunderbirds and space 1999. He did that one yeah. too, right? Space yeah. 1999. That was one of his. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So yeah. I love that show as a kid. I know. And I mentioned earlier that you wrote for uh, Disney. Yeah. For we cars. didn't even mention the comics. Like I actually just did one for NASA. That. If you want to talk about that. So. <gasps> NASA. Oh my gosh. And the SLS that well, still isn't, hasn't reached, uh, <laughs> hasn't done anything. Well, <laughs> I do want to be respectful of our podcast listeners time. And, and we've had, we've had an almost two hour show. That was our, that Which was our was that? longest. I don't remember. What was it? I don't remember. Oh, it was the one, it was the one where we read our oh, stories. Oh, it was a story one. Yeah. So we did a writing oh, challenge okay. with cool. some friends of ours that have a podcast. And so we wrote some short stories and read them. Um, but yeah, the, uh, um, I definitely would like to, to have you back. I'd love to talk about some of those Absolutely. things. I do want to ask though, before we let you go, what's next? Do you have anything you're working on um, now? The most uh, active thing I'm working on actually is a novel. Um, like I said, I've done short stories and novellas. I'm actually tackling a full length novel. Um, oh, cool. Just fish, finish the second draft. And while that's stewing in my drawer, before I do another revision round, I'm working on a another uh, detective, noir detective short story. Um that's out there, but what's probably going to be published next, I've actually got a couple of Western short stories and a sword and sorcery short stories that are sitting at various publishers that I'm hoping will see light maybe this year or early next year. So they're already sitting out there. So, yeah. So awesome. more in a, after, after all the years of nonfiction into the James Bond lexicon and getting that out, I'm more in a f- fiction in frame, fiction of, mind, frame of, yeah. of mind. At the moment, so. <laughs> I hear yeah. you. Nothing wrong with that. And your socials, where can they find like I said, you? On Twitter, you can get me at Alan J Porter um, and, or just through the website, alanjporter.com and you can follow me there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks again. We appreciate it. It's been great. It's been wonderful to talk um, to you guys. I apologize for the lighting yeah. um, thing. We will. Uh, Oh, don't oh, worry about it. All. Like I said, our podcast listeners had no idea that was happening, yeah. except that I'm talking about it. <laughs> I don't edit anything out. I just let them have everything. You, you get the raw, get the unedited. Raw. You, Fun. You, the podcast listeners experience everything we experience. We this want podcast that, is really that real. To, it is real. Yeah. It, is, it has nothing to do <laughs> you, by with the way, being yes, too I lazy must, to I must, edit it. I must plug the podcast, otherwise my other co-host will tell me out. Yes, please do. James Bond Podcast Network on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Uh, we do three shows. We do a uh, movie, movie reviews and movie rankings. We're actually going back through the movies for a second time, uh, marking and ranking various aspects of the movies. Nice. I, do a mu- I do a music show, James Bond, uh, Six of the Best, where we've done all the soundtracks and we're now basically doing all the James, any James Bond spin-off 
cover albums that we can find. We're going through those. <gasps> cover albums. Oh, how fun. Um, and we also have uh, Rogue Agents where we have uh, five of us and we dip into basically anything Bond comics, short stories, talks about the man from uncle. Um, yeah. Daffy Duck, Donald Duck, Bond spoofs. I mean, anything <laughs> Bond related at all, we just do on that yeah. show. So we have three main shows. So if you like Bond stuff, you want to geek out on Bond stuff, on the Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, you can nice. find us you on your favorite podcast TV. platform. So. Do you mention Jimmy Bond at all? Awesome. Wish Jimmy Bond. Oh, that's true. There, yeah. <laughs> yes, we have talked about some of those. That's we've true. Talk, we've, talk, we've talked about Casino Royale '67. We've talked about OK Connery, David uh, Niven. <laughs> yeah, David Niven. We've talked about the Casino Royale TV show. So yes, yeah. excellent. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. yeah, we didn't even dig into all that like really deep, no. deep Bond noir. But that's what their shows for. Yeah, that's you know we just we give them we give them the tease. If you really want to dig deep into James Bond, now you know where to go yeah. do it. Uh, on Her Majesty. I was just listening. Podcast earlier, like I said, I was listening to the episode where you guys are ranking the Bond vehicles yeah, at the Peterson yeah. Museum, and that—that's yeah. a great episode. Love Thank the you. insights. Love yeah. the insights. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys um, next week. Make sure you go to our website. Like I said, www.world. You don't even need the www anymore. I don't know why people still say that. Um, you just go to worldgungeek.com. That's three letters. You don't need to waste your time, <laughs> right? Like you—you've you've got things. You got shows to binge. Right. You've got. Audiobooks uh, to listen to. Yes, and James Bond comic books to seek out and find. Uh, you don't have time to type those three letters. So just <laughs> worldgongeek.com and you can uh, uh, check out all of our shows and they're all right there. You can listen to episodes straight from the website. Uh, make sure uh, you go and check that out. And when you do so, click the little chat icon. It should be down in the right-hand corner or up at the top. There, there's, there's a link to do it as well, but click that little chat icon. It'll give you a chance to record yourself uh, telling us Randy Meek's three rules to surviving a horror movie. Um, I need those three rules. Leave that message for us. We're going to draw some winners uh, on next week's show and give you a copy of the latest Scream, an actual physical copy media sent to your home address. You can yes, hold it in your still hand. exists. Yeah, which a lot of people prefer. Yeah. So, I mean, which I get, yeah, you know, right? Totally. Because yeah. who knows? Um, so definitely uh, do that. And, uh, you know, good luck. I hope you win. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitch. We're at World Gone Geek. Pretty much wherever you decide to socialize on the socials. So follow and become a citizen of a World Gone Geek where the geek shall inherit the earth. We'll see you next time. Go watch Moon Knight. Yeah, I stopped. I stopped long before the song ended this time. Usually, I'm trying to get in at the end, and there we go. It's it's over now. Bye. This has been a World Gone Geek production. For updates and sneak peeks, don't forget to get sociable. Follow World Gone Geek on Twitter, like our Facebook page, join the Facebook group, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find World Gone Geek podcasts on your favorite podcast apps.